The beauty of the movie is you're complicit with Michael Douglas all the way through it. As it spins more and more out of control, it's like, oh, wow, I was rooting for this this, this guy a few moments ago. Ah. <laughs> it's so fascinating that he was making it, you know, at the time of the race riots. And we've kind of gone mm. back through that cycle again with what's happening in, in America. That cop, the, the captain, is one of the biggest knobheads I've ever seen on film. <laughs> it goes from you kind of rooting for that person to now rooting for his pursuer. It's a very subtle thing that happens. And I think the whole movie is almost subtle in the point it's trying to make, which is why I think it was being so very misunderstood throughout the years. Hello, film fans. Joining us today, we have Jay. Woohoo! Tony. Howdy. And as always, Kobe. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here reviewing Falling Down. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Jay and Tony. If you please can say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Sure thing. My name's Tony. I'm the creative director at GL Pro UK, where I work with Jay, my business partner. We're both the previous hosts of How to Write a Tune and Maybe the Future. Um, and You can bring it back. We've never taken it down, so we should. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a short hiatus. Yeah, and I I run my own podcast called Bones Nose, occasionally. As Tony said, I'm Jay, I'm the managing director of GL Pro UK, uh, his fearful business partner, and um, i also the host of The Jaily Show, the um, narcissistic named show where I interview (laughs) uh, a bunch of people across uh, different business sectors and talk about what makes them tick. Yeah, and we should say you guys have been on uh, a couple of hundred episodes ago and also were our first editors for the Flix Watcher podcast. So um, thank you so much for helping us along the way. Uh, it's been much appreciated. You know, it's one of the like real joys of what we do is for the last five years, we've literally just helped a lot of people start or continue on different kind of journeys of, of, of creativeness. And that sounds all really high, highfalutin and kind of kind of crazy. But it's amazing to talk to people who start little journeys like this, you know, Flix Watcher when it happened many, many years ago, and it's still kicking and screaming and, and has become a behemoth in compared to, uh, you know, when, when you had little old me and Tony on, uh, <laughs> desperate for guests back in the day now now people are coming over themselves (laughs) Um, but yeah it's a a real pleasure and we've seen it tons and tons of times and it's so cool to come back and i've had people come back and i'm like oh is that show show still running like yeah yeah yeah, you started it like oh wow cool (laughs) how great but there's so many little bits and pieces like that that we have all over the world and it's it's great to see them and know that we've got a little stamp on things at the back like your proud parents of loads of pod babies that have gone off into the world and you don't have to Look after them anymore. You can go. Off you go. Go out into the world, my pretties. And as someone that edits a lot of podcasts, this is one of the less dry ones that's actually enjoyable. So good on you. That's a hell of a compliment for Tony right there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's great. Well, we're here talking about films. Um, 
and in particular Falling Down, which was your choice, Jay. Can you tell us why you chose Falling Down and give us a synopsis in less than 60 seconds? So Falling Down is a movie of a guy having a very bad day. Um, that day is oh so bad because he encounters all the little things which upset us on a normal daily basis. However, he's quite clearly in the throngs of a massive mental breakdown. Conversely, at the same time, we have almost his counterpart, um, a cop who is ultimately investigating him. And throughout the course of the movie, both of them go on very similar arcs, kind of from the light to the dark and vice versa. I picked this movie because I think it's heavily misunderstood. And then re-watching it kind of understood why. But <laughs> it is such an impressive out-the-box performance from the director and from Michael Douglas. And it's not what you would expect from either of them if you were to look at a catalogue of their work. I think Robert Duvall has also got a, a, a good mm. part of that, of that uh, performance there. But what do you say? Can you explain what you mean by it's been misunderstood? Uh, that might fuel a bit of our discussion going forward so um i mean as soon as i put it on and was watching it i was suddenly struck with like oh wow this is racist every single moment it gets a chance to be someone is racist to someone else and when i started watching it i was like okay well maybe this is just of the time and that's what it's trying to do but and i can understand why people watching it. it's really shocking everyone is it's it's homophobic it's prejudiced it's everyone's got a bad opinion of everyone else However, when I looked into it a little bit more, this movie is literally was stopped because of the LA riots. Mm. They had to stop filming because of it. Oh, wow. Okay. Because there was so much charge. You know, LA itself was that real charged, heightened, scary kind of place. Ultimately, you also kind of made to like this main character. But I feel that that's great. And I think that's why people dislike it. They feel like it's um, uh, uh, a homage to this 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 guy who's like, uh, uh, what's the, the Bronson movie? Uh, Death Wish. It's like a, mm -hmm. some guy writing wrongs. Oh, yeah, I wish that I could tell McDonald's to give me a McBreakfast uh, later than whatever the time is. And he's kind of doing these things. But when you look at it, it it's terrible, terrible acts to people who no one really deserves it. But I think it's the, the beauty of the movie is the fact that Joel Schumacher is basically putting, like, you're complicit. You're complicit with Michael Douglas all the way through it. You're with him uh, and his character defense, um, but you're, you're with him and going through it. So even at the worst moments, you kind of want him to win and then you hate yourself for it because you're like, oh, this isn't a good guy. And as it spins more and more out of control... It's like, oh, wow, I was rooting for this, this, this guy a few moments ago. Ah, <laughs> and I'm not sure where it happens in the movie, but at some point it takes a switch from following this person who's walked out of their car away from a, a traffic jam, which I think we can all relate to at some point <laughs> sat on the N25 or <laughs> in some ridiculous heat. It goes from you kind of rooting for that person to now rooting for his pursuer. And it's a very subtle thing that happens. And I think the whole movie is almost subtle in the point it's trying to make, which is why I think it's been so very misunderstood throughout the years. I don't, I mean, I didn't necessarily code it as racist, particularly from a defence's point of view. I think it's it's kind of easy to make that. But I think he, what, my feeling that he was just, he was just at the end of various different tethers. And today was a culmination of that. Um and apart from when he, he smashed up the, the Korean um, shop at the start and also the, the pursuance of his ex-wife and daughter, I, I could empathise with a lot of the things he was pissed off with. 
wouldn't go to the extent of the anger that he went down <laughs> mm. in any way, shape or form. But I could, yeah, I, I remember watching this as a kid. I must far too young to watch this. Um, but I remember like saying, yeah, I fucking hate the way McDonald's does that. I always hate, <laughs> yeah. it really pisses me off. Um, traffic jab, uh, traffic, yeah, exactly. traffic road works. It is all the things that he, act, all the things that happen to him along the way are yeah. like regular everyday things <laughs> that people don't like. Yeah, uh, that's why, and that's inevitably why he becomes very relatable, right? I think mm. it's, it's like that guy, uh, that guy in the, in the park who's just like, mate, oh yeah, my, I drove here, ran out of petrol. I just need some money to get some petrol. Okay, give me a driver's license. Why do you? Oh no. Oh. <laughs> And it's that kind of. Like, I haven't eaten in days, and he's holding a burger. <laughs> like <Yeah>. he's holding. <laughs> help, help me to help you. Just give me at least a useful lie to kind of work <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, this, and also then you have the the worst. I think no, everyone's on his side when he goes into the kind of uh, SAS, not the SAS shop, into the army surplus store, and that guy's like, "Oh, here's the here's the Cyclone Four that killed all the all the people in, in the Holocaust," and you're like, "Well." Equally shows he's like when he says, "I'm not, I'm not one of you. I'm not on your side." So he, he does. He draws the line. Draws right? a, a big line, but then does kill him mm. quite happily. Um, <laughs> yeah. Helen, Tony, what were your what are your thoughts on on defense? I think this film is fascinating. It's so interesting. There's just so much going on. Revisiting it now, um, I'd seen it quite a few times when I was younger. But yeah, why was that? I have no idea because like our parents just used to let us watch certificate 18 films and <laughs> let us just get on with it. Was and it was I, it on was it just on TV quite a lot though? Well I think Michael Douglas was incredibly famous when it came out mm. like you know he took a massive pay cut to make the movie so it's probably a case of like we can't get romance in the stone and uh, basic instincts too expensive where yeah. we can buy falling down and repeat it three times this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry, but I guess also like you know Joel Schumacher was kind of making films we were watching then, you know, like Lost Boys. We would have been like, hey, we like the Lost Boys again. We should not have been watching that. But like, <laughs> you know, parents are like, well, you like the Lost Boys, so you'll like this one because it's by the same director. <laughs> I don't really know. So your parents were um, the early Netflix, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, yeah, of course, you can watch an 18 certificate and you're only 12. It's fine. It's okay. Um, It'll be all right. But yeah, I think it's so interesting. And I think people's reactions are really kind of split you're either finding it kind of like a fascinating film that watched in today's eyes is just basically he is you know the the trump voter he is you know the white middle class america who is blaming immigrants for their own failings and um you know they're they're pissed off with the economy they're pissed off that mm. coke costs more than it did they're pissed off with everything and they fail to see that actually they're part of the problem and mm. it's yeah. just so fascinating i think watching it now i think the film overreaches in trying to make him kind of an empathetic character because i don't i don't feel sympathy from for him at the end mm. i don't know whether we're meant to no. i kind no. of feel as though it's the film one, right? is a little bit like oh you know he's he's having a mental breakdown it's been happening for a while like you know, we should kind of have sympathy. But then I'm a bit like, well, he's seeing it now as like, he, you know, he's he's the, the, the Trump voter who is very, very, very dangerous. We shouldn't sympathise, you know, we should kind of, you know, they are a dangerous force and not to kind of be brushed off as like, oh, well, you know, they had mental problems because that's what we're doing when, you know, they, they storm the Capitol with guns or, you know, so it's... It's so fascinating that he was making it 
you know, at the time of the race riots. And we've kind of gone mm. back through that cycle again with what's happening in, in America. I just think it's really fascinating. Kind of really easily dissed as being like a crap director. And I was kind of looking, he's made some like really amazing films. And I think yeah, when yeah. he died, people kind of f- forgot that. And, you know, the whole Batman thing, you know, Batman Forever, it, wasn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a real shame because he's made some really kind of intense kind of thrillers that are pretty good. Didn't he didn't he start directing like really late on in his life as well? So for me, that's kind of a template. I'm like, well, I can still do this if I. It's going to inspire you. (laughs) Um, I I didn't. I like I like the idea of thing like boxing him in as a a Trump voter. I think he he probably is. Um, But when I was watching, he he kind of came across as like a reverse incel in that obviously he's, he's had a relationship but now he's just not he's not getting that relationship and that's that's a lot of what's driving him to the to the mania or to the destruction he's going through but i think yeah there's certainly he would have been a republican voter there's no there's no two ways about it um <laughs> and right. yeah. definitely i empathize with his angers but didn't sympathize with the fact that he gets killed at the end um yeah tony mm. no i think i think i think you pretty much all nailed the the reason why the movie is compelling there is that it's a bit confusing, right? It's um, it takes you one way, but also you're very much not there. You're not with him, but you are sort of with him for points. And, and I, I do agree. I think it's um, I think it's interesting that, that I hadn't put the Trump voter thing together while watching it, but when you say that immediately, I, it, it clicks together, right? It makes it's perfect. It makes perfect. It's a perfect analogy, actually. The only thing I would say is that he there is a. Uh, you couldn't make that movie now about that Trump voter, I guess is what I'm going to say. It would be, it would be so different mm. now and you wouldn't get that, like you said, you wouldn't get the empathetic side of, you wouldn't get even the attempt to try and empathise with that character. <laughs> I think you would, you'd, no one would make that movie, right? <laughs> I think that, that in itself is interesting. So which were the bits where you, you guys felt empathy for him? Mostly towards the beginning, right? Because it deliberately does that where it slowly tapers into, into him being Oh wait, maybe maybe I don't maybe I don't side with this character, but it is it's all that it's it's McDonald's not serving breakfast. Yeah. It's there being roadworks and shooting the bazooka down the hole. You know, like I mean, the reaction isn't isn't like you say. I'm, I'm not with him there, but we've all been annoyed by these things. Um, that's that's for me. That's pretty where it's at. I mean, when when he gets um, when the those two gang members stop him and try to take his briefcase and he, and he fights him back, I'm like, yeah, come on. <laughs> And then he learns how to use the butterfly knife. It's a bit, you know, he could have thrown that away. Yeah. But, he, you know, he makes his choices. He keeps the guns. He keeps the he keeps the knife. So he's obviously... Yeah, the bag of guns is a big turning point, yeah. really, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. And the boiler suit. Like, when he puts that on, like, it's like, oh, I yeah. mean business now. Yeah. Ditch the tie, you know, and follow commando boiler suit time. <laughs> I, th- I think that's one of the reasons that... Not, it might not be empathy, but one of the kind of reasons that you're almost rooting for him. It's like a video game. He goes through different bosses and levels up and gets a weapon. He fights the Korean shop guy and gets a bat. He has a whole chicken. fights the two thugs and he gets a little butterfly knife and then he fights them again and gets a bag of guns and kind of levels up each time. But I'm, I'm with you, Helena. There is, there is just a flip at some point where I don't, I'm not rooting for him at the end at all. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm actually not rooting for him then. And I think there's a, there's a wonderful little piece of dialogue at the end when him, uh, defense and Pentagast are talking and he says like, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Like, when did that happen? And I think it's just a, what an amazing thing to, to get to. Like he did, he's had a breakdown. He's snapped completely. And almost every, the reason I feel empathy for him is he doesn't necessarily 
start anything. In each encounter, it's someone else who starts it. Sure, he tends to finish it in some ridiculous way. But I get the feeling this is a guy who's been stamped on his whole life. Someone who's never really stood out for themselves and has had this kind of like bubbling anger to, to the point where you kind of find out as the movie goes along, maybe he was only like that with his wife. You know, because she's she's actually got a restraining order against him already. So was he this guy who was just stamped down, government job, angry at home, and is finally now pushing back and doesn't know how far to push back? He doesn't know what the what the push is. Like he doesn't know. Oh, okay, it's too far to kill someone. Well, I've killed someone now, so <laughs> stop caring is probably more than doesn't know, yeah. right? Mm. I think yeah. when you just saying that, then I thought um, one thing came to mind is like it's it's like Kirby enthusiasm, but with, with with more guns. If with more guns. Larry David no, that's... absolutely empathise with the, why he's angry at stuff, but Larry David goes just goes ballistic and shouts at people who mm. never pulls a gun out of butterfly knife or a baseball bat, starts smashing things up. Um, so that's that's the line, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, the t- and the tone of the retort. Yeah, is, 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 but that's that's of its time, I guess. Is it though? I don't know. I don't like giving that excuse. It's of its time. It, everyone was like that back then. Nah, I, don't, I, th- I think <laughs> some of the 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 female characters are definitely of of its time. The mm. the kind of the nagging wife, and there's clearly yeah. something with his relationship with his mother and his wife. So there's you know. The reverse incel, you know, there's there's clearly mm. problems with women stemming from that, and I kind of sort of forgive some of the 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 you know nagging wife kind of bits like that as of its time. There's a, f- a lot of films that uh, are much worse than that, um, mm. but yeah, it's it's a really interesting performance from Michael Douglas. Um, apparently, it's his favourite performance, and I, I guess why. when I think of him, I I think of him. In this performance, he just looked so different to anything mm. he'd looked before and just kind of really embodies it and, and completely, you know, went for it in like a great style. So it's such, I just think it's really interesting. There's just so much going on. Well, I love the relationship or the, the fact that it's probably the same with, I mean, there's the old cliche of Pentecost the Cop. It's his last day. Yeah. It's always a cop on the last yeah, day, right? I'm too old for the shit. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I watched all of those movies and I love them because of it. But I think Robert Duvall does a great job of actually bringing some nuance to that character. And, you know, he's got a nagging wife at home or a wife who is suffering some serious mental issues. And interestingly played by... Oh, I can't remember her surname, but her name's Tuesday. Who was it? She was a massive sex symbol back in, uh, in 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 her youth. Tuesday Weld, I believe, but a huge sex symbol. So interesting that the narrative is kind of like this was a beautiful woman mm. who has stayed at home the whole time, and uh, she's now where she is now, and she wants to move away and take it, and that's kind of like why she's lost it. Is almost a little bit autobiographical or you know for for the actress as well so when i watched that i was like i know i remember her from movies okay that's that's a little bit more of an important piece whereas i think when i've watched it before her i was like oh she's nagging him why won't she leave him alone and which is very much he's coming home this kind of day already just let him enjoy you know time with his friends get him, let him have a last beer kind of thing. i have a few beers <laughs> <laughs> everyone should have a few beers on the last day <laughs> but i love the fact that they both seem trodden on pentagast seems trodden on Defense seems trodden on, 
they deal with it in very, very different ways from this very bad day. And by the end of it, Pentagast gets to a point where actually he fights for his wife. He punches a co-worker because they're rude about his wife. He also tells his wife off, which when you're watching it, thinking she has a mental health issue, doesn't seem very nice at all. Um, but in relation to the movie, it's like a win. Yay, he's got back his like life and, and manliness. Such and, and his manliness, yeah, I guess. <laughs> what about that, that, that cop, the, uh, the, the captain, is one of the biggest knobheads I've ever seen on film. I mean, typically cop captains aren't, aren't the nicest guys, but he was just like the worst. Didn't care. Yeah, for no reason. I've always, I've always hated <laughs> you. You don't swear. That's why. I'm like, yeah. But was he a good cop? Though? Did, he, did he solve crimes? <laughs> you're the one, you're the one with a boxing bag in here. Like, you know, have a shower. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's the weird thing about 80s films, wasn't it? That people had like, like treadmills in their, in their own offices. And then they just put their shirts back on and sat back down again. And after, after five minutes on a treadmill, I'm like, I need to like some time. First of all, to cool down <laughs> and, then, and then shower and then before talking to me. And these guys are in I LA as well. I can hold a conversation. Yeah. And when I can hold a conversation, you're not going to want to have a conversation <laughs> with me. I'm going to need like an hour and a half there. Okay? <laughs> Anything else, guys, before we head to the scores on Falling Down? Oh, I know we touched on the Schumacher filmography, but I do think there's, there's some more there to be picked because I do think, I mean... The Client's an odd one, I thought about it. I remember that movie. I remember that was probably one of the first like legal movies that I really enjoyed as a kid. <laughs> and like, Tommy Lee uh, Jones and, yeah. uh, and, and the uh, Christian Season, movie, right? Yeah, Susan Sarandon, that one, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Like, um, I, I didn't ever associate it with him because at the time I didn't, I probably didn't even know who Joshua Forget Macker was at that age necessarily. But um, looking over it, I was like, oh, that, I, there's, a, there's a bunch in there that are great in amongst Phone Booth and Batman and Robin and those sort of movies. So it's, it's Phone Booth one that's, that's seen, that's, I don't know, put, looked down upon. Love that movie. Yeah, I think it's great. And a time, so. to, time to Kill, which oh, is yeah. one of my favourite Matthew McConaughey performances. And I saw Tigerland recently, which really oh, surprised that, me. Was that all? Was that Schumacher as yeah. well? That's fucking, yeah. That's the first time I saw um, oh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell, and I was just—I was absolutely blown away. It's a good kind of like war film that I was really surprised. Um, it's actually really good and really interesting. Quite short as well, uh, and yeah, just really surprised that it was actually really, really good. And I'd kind of written him off as being a bit, a bit trashy and a bit <laughs> cheesy. Which um, it's all because of I think that's Robin. what the batman yeah had 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 done to him such it's such a shame the power of the power of the uh the mcdonald's toys right after batman returns had all those little penguins and we all fell in love with those toys <laughs> it just destroyed the franchise now all of a sudden they got to be campier bigger bigger more 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 is going to need colorful toys it's a shame because I, I i honestly think this when i after Joel Schumacher's died and um, it was all of the reports, it was the the Batman and Robin director or this uh, director. And I was like, this is his greatest movie. This is an incredible piece of like, A, a piece of like, it's like a time capsule for LA in 1990. I'm sure it's hyper kind of visualized, but this is his greatest piece of work in my opinion. And, and no one mentioned it at any point. Um, and instead they're leaning into absolutely the one thing that we all agree on is, is <laughs> a monumental <laughs> failure. <laughs> Do check out Tigerland because I thought I've not seen it since it first came out, but it was, I was like, holy shit. On the list. Guys, let's head to the scores. Hello, folks. I'm Sam. And I'm Martin. 
And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette (laughs) and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl... Uh, He's also the gravelly-voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flixwatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out and when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish, and we'll start with you, please, Jay, with your recommendability. I'm going to go for a five because I would like everyone to see it, even if they don't like it. I think it starts (laughs) enough conversations that no matter who you are, I can recommend it to Mm. you, and it's either going to upset you or you're going to love it, but either way, it's worth a watch. Tony. Yeah, I think I, I largely agree with that, except maybe not for the, the the easily offended. So we'll drop it to a 4.5. Helen. Oh, this film, I think, is kind of really divisive, isn't it? Um, I just think it's fascinating. I don't think it's perfect. And there's some things that I'm still... I think if I watched it again, I'd come away thinking something differently. But it's just so interesting. If you... If you haven't seen it, like you should go for it. Yeah, but it, yeah, four point five. And I, I just think if you've maybe seen it when you were younger and you haven't seen it recently, go back to it because it's on Netflix and you just have a bit of a different experience with it. Even if you hated it, go back to it now and see whether you can be like, oh, so maybe maybe America is as fucked up as we thought it was. <laughs> All these guys in shirts and ties walking around. Can't, can't get away with them. Um, 4.8. And it's just because there's, you know, there's the swearing, there's the violence, a, a few people I couldn't recommend it to, but I think it's a remarkable film. I, I, I really don't know why I watched it so much as, uh, as a kid. But... Um, Ostensibly, it's not that that violent. It's not like it's not like um, Terminator. There's blood and guts everywhere and stuff like that. Is it? It's not. Not in that way, yeah, right? It's, it's it's there's a different there's a there's a tenseness to it, which I think as a young person you probably don't realise. And I think there's only watching it, watching it when you're older when you you start to realise what's really going down. Um, mm. So maybe a lot of it just kind of went over my head and over my parents' head. They maybe just thought, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's no blood. It's fine. <laughs> I've got the same experience. I'm sure I watched this movie like 10 or 15 times as a kid. Like I, I knew every beat watching it and had, as you said, Helen, like a really different experience watching it this time. Um, repeat viewing score, Jay. Well, I just said I watched it loads. Um, I haven't seen it in years. Wasn't the easiest of watches. So I'm going to go for a 3.8 
because I know I'm going to watch it again. I'm not going to rush back to watch it because I enjoyed it a lot. And I think much like Helen, that my uh, every time I watch it, I might get a slightly different view and walk away with a different score. Tony. Well, I, unlike everyone else, didn't watch this repeatedly over and over again as a kid, apparently. I had seen it at some point when I was quite young, but uh, I probably only watched it two or three times ever, I think. Uh, so I can't give it too high a score there. Let's go for a flat three. <laughs> Helen? <laughs> so I was trying to think of when I would have maybe have seen this last, probably like like 95 or 96, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And then it came onto Netflix uh, at the end of last year because I watched it over Christmas um, because I was like, oh, I've not seen this in years. I need to see what's happening. I had a great time. I watched it again the other night just because I had, didn't make any notes and that was probably too soon. Um, so, <laughs> like, don't leave it too long. But, like, three months is probably a bit too close for your watches. Um, kind of would like to revisit again in a two, in a couple of years so uh, i'm gonna go for a four i think on on this one i think it'd be interesting to see whether we have moved forwards in in a few years and whether we can kind of look back and go oh this was like moment in history in the past and we're not like that anymore yeah i'm gonna go for a four as well um i i think i'm sure i because Helen and I are on, on various different WhatsApp groups together, uh, one being our film quiz one. And when this landed on Netflix, I was like, oh my fucking God, Falling Down's on Netflix. And um, I think I went out and watched it, went out. I sat down and watched it that night. I stayed in. Um, <laughs> and we, we did have a bit of a chat about it and we all agreed yeah. that it. we had a very different experience watching it <laughs> now as we did when we watched it when we were too young. Yeah. Um, and And... Just to echo what Helen said, I, mean, I watched it then six months ago and I watched it again. I was happy to watch it again. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's maybe once every couple of years kind of film, but I certainly want to get me revisiting uh, going forward as long as it's easy to access. And I think I just didn't know, I just forgotten it existed. It's purely the reason I had, <laughs> yeah. why I haven't watched it. Yeah. <laughs> um, small screen score, Jay. I'm going to say five. I bet this was good in the cinema, but, um, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been allowed in at the time. It was about seven or eight when uh, this movie was released. So, um, yeah, I thought it was great. I, I, I don't think anything was taken away necessarily from watching it on a small screen. So was that five, sorry? Five. Yeah. Big five. Tony. Yeah, I think I've got to agree there. I think, I think I'm going to go five as well, because I don't think there's probably much benefit to the cinema experience for this movie. A couple of explosions, but, Nothing, nothing serious, right? <laughs> I remember looking at that bit as a kid, actually, when he's trying to work out how the, how the um, bazooka works and the kid yeah, comes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. press that button. Yeah, extend it out. <laughs> aim it. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's things like that where I can see why I watched it a few times as a kid because I think I probably just thought it was a comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's that... Co- and it's that, that uh, um, computer game thing it's just mm. the guy goes from here and like you say i really think it's much what must have been like when i rediscovered the simpsons in my 20s or 30s after watching it religiously in the 80s and 90s i was a full bart simpson fan i remember coming back and being like oh i love homer i didn't get yeah. homer oh, yeah. at all like same sort of thing i don't think i saw any of the dreary panic and dread that is kind of encapsulated in this like fun oh now he's shooting up a fast food restaurant <laughs> Um, Helen small screen yeah so it's kind of an interesting one 
I don't know how well it did on kind of its release. The only time I think I would like to go back in time. I know this is not really happening. I'd like to go back in time to 1993 and go to the cinema and watch it with people of 1993. That would be where, how I'd want to view it on, on the big screen. I don't think it's, it's not really kind of a thing of cinematic beauty, although it would kind of be interesting in kind of like a Joel Schumacher retrospective, a few kind of films maybe. Yeah, maybe I could be tempted out just to kind of watch it and see the vibes of everyone around it to kind of get whether, you know, they find the bazooka thing kind of funny and (laughs) just it kind of feel when I watch it, I feel very sweaty because obviously it's set in kind of like a heat wave and you really, Mm. really feel that kind of thing. So Mm. I could like to see it in an old cinema when it's really, really sweaty and everyone's dressed like it's 1993. (laughs) Otherwise I've only ever seen it on a small screen. So five. I'm going to go for 4.5. Uh, this is a this is a film that if I was if I had an hour and a half and I was walking past the Prince Charles in the before times, uh, I would definitely dive in and watch it. I think it does it's shot really well. Um I've only ever seen it on 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 this on the small screen. Um and before that it was it would have either been a VHS or um, you know, an ITV feed. So it would have never been good quality. But I think as Helen said, the kind of the heat and all that kind of stuff does just kind of sizzle off the screen so I think I would enjoy it and also I think when watching these films with an audience for the first time you think you do get other bits which you perhaps perhaps went over your head and it'd be good to see where people left uh, as well um, but otherwise yeah it's good on the small screen um, engagement uh, can score. I change can I change my score sure because I just thought I just remember something when I was looking up this the composer and the music that kind of con- con- incessant music that is happening around the back that composer did quite a few decent pieces of work afterwards, like the Dark Knight trilogy and oh, wow. all of Hunger Games. Well, Hans Zimmer. Uh, no, this is the, uh, the uh, so he did, Hans Zimmer did the arrangement, I believe, but it was all composer, or the actual composer was James Newton Howard. Oh, yeah. And who is like, just randomly. So I guess that would have been pretty awesome in the cinema, the fact that it's yeah. got that kind of... The tension that would have been, because you're right, the soundtrack is really like, takes you here and there and there. It's a bit, it's odd. It's, it's kind of rock and roll, but without being like mm. Jet Li's The One, cheesy rock and roll. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's full on. I was talking about Jet Li's The One, even on films that aren't Jet Li's The One. Don't you talk about it every day? <laughs> At least once. Hey! So what's your revised score, sorry? Uh, so I'm going to say four as opposed to a five because I'd like to leave a nice big one there that I could go back into the cinema and hear that and it's all its glory. Uh, so back to you again, Jay, for engagement score. Ah, son of a... Um, <laughs> I found it very hard to turn off. I found it really, really, really hard to turn off. It's it's so, uh, even uh, if I was removing the nostalgia of like, oh my God, I know what's going to happen next. If I can remove that, like you don't know what's going to happen at any point in this movie. And I think that keeps you fully engaged for all of it. So I'm going to say 4.8 because I do think I maybe made a cup of tea during one part of it. <laughs> uh Tony? did have to turn it off once while I was watching it, but that wasn't the movie's fault. That was my fault, so that seems unfair. <laughs> um, no, but it, yeah, I think it's pretty engaging. Um, I'm going to go with a nice four. And Helen? I just thought, I want it in a double bill with Do the Right Thing. There we go. That, I was thinking that's, that. That's, that's going to get that. us to the cinema, isn't it? Yeah. Sweaty cinema, double bill with those two. Does it have to be sweaty? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I'm perfectly happy with like an air conditioned cinema. I'd, I'll just go on my treadmill in my office before I go in. Yeah, sure. oh, wait, yeah of course. Punch bag. Those two fu- that fu- in, in the sweaty cinema uh, tri- trilogy, um, Predator Two, just to finish it off. <laughs> the sweatiest of all movies. There we go. Um, so engagement, yeah. Um, it's kind of a tricky one because I obviously have watched it twice in like the last four or so months. So my engagement this time round was obviously a little bit less. I was doing a little bit of reading, which is a shame to detract it too much. So I'm going to 4.7. I'm going for a five. Um, yeah, once it starts, once it, the fly's buzzing around in his car and he decides to leave and tells the people behind him to go fuck themselves. I'm, you know, I'm in it. I'm in it. Um, <laughs> there's no ways around it. And that gives us an overall score of 4.41250, which is, which is stellar. Good. Which is stellar. Yeah, that's really good. That's well it. done falling down. We've the, the redemption of Joel Schumacher. Should we head to Twitter, guys? Yes, we shall. Everyone listening, do head to us on Twitter uh, because we always tweet about the film we're going to review ahead of time and put a little post like this saying we're re- reviewing Falling Down with Jay and Tony from GL Productions. Ask if you've seen it. And also ask for your thoughts and a five, a, a score out of five stars. Uh, we had a hefty response for this so let's let's take a start uh, jay pick pick anyone you want we had a uh, message from liam h dempsey which said hugely ahead of its time plus more relevant than ever anyone who doesn't get this film clearly doesn't simp- um includes not sympathize with this lead antagonist isn't reading it right four stars which i like is because it's pretty much why i picked this movie because i also think it's massively misunderstood uh tony I'm going to go the other way. The Culture Bunker was not fond of this movie. Um, the Culture Bunker, three stars as it's not a movie that rewards rewatching. And I maintain it would have been better if uh, Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall had switched roles, which is interesting. Okay. Um, hmm. Helen? Um, I'm going to go for Dr. Charlie Berry, Michael Douglas on Enjoyably Crazy Four. I don't think the film is really on the main character's side but it's still a little uncomfortable from a 2021 perspective. Fun watch, though, and they've gone for three hamburgers. Uh, Jay, let's pick another one. <laughs> three hamburgers. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought to say that. That's a good point. Um, we've got MDBA, um, who mentioned it's relevant. Uh, one of my favourite anti-heroes. For some reason, I wanted to watch it with some friends on Christmas Day, and it was a real bummer. <laughs> uh, great movie, 4.5 stars. This is not a Christmas movie. Um, I, w- Helen, I watched it at Christmas. I watched it on Christmas Day, I think. <laughs> I, like, I had a bit of time did, in the evening. Did you scratch your like, Die Hard DVD? I mean, what happened? <laughs> well, I guess maybe Die Hard wasn't available. And I thought, in the spirit of Christmas and I can everything. see this is a Christmas movie. I can, I can see that. It's, not, <laughs> it's uh, in an odd way. a Christmas film. If you yeah, watch that's... it at Christmas, it's a Christmas film. Well, that's the thing about LA, though, isn't it? We you don't they don't really have a climate there. It's just the that's same. To... <laughs> so it, it might well have been, you know, Christmas. I don't. I can't remember any dates being recalled. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tony, can you pick us another one? Sure. Let's go. Uh, oh, can't pronounce this. Gid uh, Git Von Larue. I was on his side. I think most of us were, but they had to make him the bad guy at the end just to justify his behaviour. Love the film, but one of those endings that is annoying. Four out of five. And that leads into a bit of a conversation piece with uh, you're going to need a bigger boat, uh, guys. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's skip on that one. Uh, Helen, do you want to pick another one? 
Um, so this is from a uh, regular tweeter, Lee Thomas. Watched this for the first time not long ago. Glad I've now seen it, but probably wouldn't watch it again. Not age well. Did inspire an REM video, though. And he's gone 2.5 out of 5. So interesting, a lower score for a first rewatch now. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, maybe the nostalgia is driving us through. Um, and it's the Everybody Hurts REM video, um, which, which Helen commented on, just in case anyone is wondering. Tony, sorry, Jay, uh, th- I think there's a couple more left we can pick out. Bell's Cat, just because basically that's a great handle, uh, mentioned, love that film. I've closely identified with him many, many times. Now, I have a feeling Bell may not have watched the movie recently. <laughs> 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 because when we picked this movie, I said the same thing. Like, I know how he feels. He's all hot in a car. I forgot the murderous intent and <laughs> kind of rampage. I think that's one. Well, I think maybe one more to pick up. There's one more I can see here. Uh, Tony, have you seen it? Oh, yes, you're quite right. Ronnie Cassell. Not many movies are more relevant than this right now. Probably Michael Douglas's best performance. Robert Duvall is, as usual, fantastic. And we had one sh- super short tweet from uh, Back to the Movies. Yeah. A flawed classic, exclamation mark. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for for giving your your thoughts on that. Um, it's always appreciated. Uh, Tony and Jay, can you sign off by telling everyone who's listening where they can find you online and uh, where to follow you for your new for your podcasts that are in stasis and or new ones. You can find out our, uh, myself and Tony, both our, our shows will be posted on GLcast. Um, you can also find us by searching GL Pro UK pretty much everywhere. If you can't find us on it, then we probably don't want to be there and go and find us somewhere else is the general consensus we've come for. Um, you can also catch me on the host of The Jaily Show, where every other week we interview different business leaders across the world and find out what makes them tick. Yeah. Jay covered most of it, but I also have a YouTube channel called Bones Knows, where I release videos about random things sometimes, um, and some <laughs> podcasts occasionally. So come and join us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, over 200 episodes since the first time you came on. Uh, it's thanks, really thanks for to see coming you guys back. Again. Oh, thank you. And see you in another 200. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we could pick movies that everyone at least partially liked this time. I'm <laughs> super happy about that. It took us 200 episodes, but we've got better. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 